Hi. Hey. I'm Leo. And I'm Sierra. And we are your hosts. And this is Beyond the Rainbow. Beyond the Rainbow is a show where we're going to tackle topics from racism to religion, homophobia and transphobia. Fat phobia. Fat phobia. Um, no, but we hope to bring you an opportunity to learn and have fun and just listen to some queers in a mic. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Hey, Queen. Hi, Diva. I feel like our second episode, um, we've come a long way. It's been. <laughs> we have come a long way we've since learned, our first episode. We've triumphed. We've trialed. We grew. We got um, experience. Yeah. It yeah. was really a learning process for me because I had never done a podcast. Isn't it so fun to learn how to edit audio? I mean, I had edit audio before, but I'd never like done a podcast. Yeah. It was more like my projects for school. Like, mm, here's how you make a battery with mm. three cans. Like, you know, my sister and I used to create songs on Audacity. We'd write songs. I'm not surprised. You know how I should have known I was a lesbian because <laughs> one of my best friends in school, uh, she moved away and like seventh grade or something and wanted me and my sister write a song for her and i oh gave it to God. her on a flash <laughs> i feel like we should take a moment to let the audience know yeah of our little moment and the thing is that we match outfits today without planning on it we did and we do that very often we do we i would say we don't have the same taste in clothes but we do have the same taste in styling but we specifically, we were, like, talking about it yesterday. Like, what should we wear? And then you were like, let's not plan it. Like, we'll probably end up matching. We'll anyway. match regardless. And I literally, I took, like, an unreasonably a long time to get ready this morning. And I just was like, I'm just really drawn to this pink today. See? And you walked in and you were like, we are matching. Yeah. I think that just speaks to kind of the connection that we have. Because, I mean, I have friends, I have, you know, I have other best friends or whatever, but we never match in clothes because we share other similarities. But I think that that speaks volumes and the kind of connection we have. Because, like, yeah. we will, regardless of what we're doing, like, we will be matching mm-hmm. outfits or, like, coordinating outfits, you know, like. But anyway, it's yeah, okay. we're matching today. We're matching today. It's cute. Go look at the, the videos if you're listening. Yeah, for sure. On our Instagram to see what we're wearing today. Anyway, what are we talking about today? So I, I think today's topic, I think it's something that is very close or we feel it very close to home for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we haven't shared a lot of like our personal experience within the topic. Yeah. Um, we started talking about it the other day because I came in to the office and I was talking about a friend of mine and like kind of related to this topic yeah and we just got into a whole conversation about it well we started to we started to, and then yeah. leo was like wait, wait wait let's like save it for the podcast save it for the pod so today's topic mm-hmm. is body image yep body positivity yeah self-esteem and now of the related kind of like branches of it yeah how that has intersected with our identities and our life experience so the first thing that I would like to ask or like that I would like to put out there in the mm-hmm. table is when you think about body image, what automatically comes to your mind? So 
honestly, at this point in my life, I think of it in terms of body neutrality. Mm -hmm. So I was introduced to this concept of body neutrality when I did um, a photo shoot with my tattoo artist now. She used to be a photographer then. And she was doing this photography session and she was like, I want people, but mainly women of like all shapes and sizes, creeds, colors, races, religions, all of that. Um, to join me in this photography session and we're gonna like kind of introduce this concept of body neutrality and what that means and she put us all in like similar outfits and makeup um, and it was the first time I had heard this term and I think it like resonated so much with me because before there was just this radical like push of body positivity and I think we're gonna talk about that probably yeah. but I don't think that there's Personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with body positivity. Body neutrality just works better for me because it is this idea that, like, you are more than just your body, right? Gotcha. Like, you you inhabit a body and it is essentially a vessel for all of the beautiful, wonderful, incredible things about you, right? Like, yeah. I'm a very big person on leaving a legacy and, like, what that means. And, like, when I die, like... Who am I going to be known for? What am I going to be known for? What will people think of me? Was I a good person? Did I make people laugh? That kind of thing, right? And someone said to me at one point, like, when you die, no one is going to comment on your body. No one is going to say, like, she should have lost some weight. Or, like, she might have lived longer if she ate healthier or lost 10 pounds or yada, 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 whatever. And so that concept of body neutrality, I think, works for me now. Younger, it was body positivity all the way because gotcha. I was, like, so unhappy in my body that even just, like, a little bit amount of self-love was, like, impossible to achieve. Yeah. So when you say body neutrality, mm -hmm. what I understand from it is this concept of do not think of your body in terms of this physical, tangible entity but more so of this, like you said, this vessel for your, just live your experience, like your human, exp human experience yeah. with. But I don't know, for someone out there who might be not as familiarized with that, like what, what does it mean, like body neutrality? I think it's important to like, for me to point out too, that like this concept of body neutrality is not something that like you achieve and then you're there, right? Like it's kind of the same thing with like happiness or like joy or love. Like it's not like you're in a constant state of joy you're not in a constant state of happiness you're not in a constant state of body neutrality where every day you look in the mirror and you're like that's just a body i don't care about it but it's like this underlying idea and concept of like yes there might be things that i don't like about my body but also it allows me to do these things it allows me to be this person i'm grateful for my health i'm grateful for my ability to walk and if you can't walk i'm grateful for my ability to smile and if you can't smile i'm grateful for my ability to give a high five like it just like returns your physical form of your body back to like what it allows you to do rather than like all of the negative things that you take and you look at it and you're like picking yourself apart which i think it's important and I just thought about it when you said that, because it that allows you to regain control from your body. Absolutely. Right. When you think about um, I'm grateful because I can walk or because I can stand up, that is in a way I'm grateful because I have control of what I do with my body. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think when we think about 
what body image um, is for everyone, which for everyone is different. I think that not a lot of the times we think in terms of I have the power over my own body, right? Which is a super important conversation, especially during these times where we see women's bodies being weaponized yeah. and politically. Yeah. Um, where, what do you think movement. of when you think of body image? For me, I guess I just grew up. I don't know. I don't know if it's because of the culture that I grew up. Um, yeah. But when I think of body image, the first thing that comes to mind in my mind, body image is how do you treat your body in order for you to function? Mm. Um, I just, I've had many people that are close to me that are like, are you eating right? Are you doing exercise? Are you taking care of your body? So in terms of body image, it has always been this mindset of, are you taking care of your body? Are you doing things that are going to help your body? But in a way that can become toxic in terms of, oh, you're not working out, you're not taking care of your body. Yeah. You decided to eat McDonald's today, you're not taking care of your body. You um, drank a Diet Coke, you're not taking care of your body. So when I think of body image, sometimes it has this negative connotation of, oh, I have to care. I have to care because it's my body, right? Mm. Uh, I have to do exercise because what else am I going to do? It's my body. I have to eat vegetables every single day even if I don't want to because it's my body I have to take care of it when you think of it like that though uh what do you feel like was the desired like end goal to do those things right like you're taking care of your body to lose weight to live longer to maintain a certain figure like what do you feel like was the implied like result Honestly, and I've done a lot of introspection and I think the ultimate goal was to be socially accepted. I'll mm. never forget that my mom would always say, uh, you're going to be treated the way people see you. Yeah. If you look good, people are going to treat you good. If you look bad, people are going to treat you bad. Um, now, of course, that makes my mom sound like a horrible person. She's not. But that's also the culture she grew up in. Yeah. Uh, especially my grandma was the same way. Like as, she'd be like, "No boys are gonna like you. Yeah. You're not gonna find a husband." Little does she know, I didn't want one. Truly, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, so the ultimate goal it was for you to be accepted. Mm -hmm. So it was never about. Um, it was always this guy says, "Oh, it's you're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your self esteem." But it yeah. was that was never the goal. The yeah. goal was always so you'll be accepted. Mm -hmm. So you'll fit into a space where ultimately it wasn't even a space it was designed for me, right? Because it was this heteronormative, white, uh, misogynistic space right. that was not designed for someone like me. How much of that do you feel like is still prevalent in your perception of body image now? I think that after a lot of therapy and a lot of experience too, and a lot of allowing myself to live and experience spaces that I never thought I could yeah. has allowed me to see myself in a different body in terms of I, like you said, I am grateful that I am able to walk. Mm -hmm. I am grateful that I'm able to wear high heels, which is something that I love to do. Yeah. Right. Um, whether that makes me look a certain way or someone would argue, oh, that's not the right fit for the type of body you have. Sometimes it does. I feel like, okay, yeah, maybe I should be self-aware of it. But more often than not, now that I'm here, I'm like, okay, you know what? Um, 
I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone a little bit. And yes, I I'm, I am having these intrusive thoughts about it, but yeah. I'm not gonna let that prevent me from experiences that I might enjoy. So that's kind of like where I'm steering towards. Um, but it has definitely been a process. And I think that certainly since coming out as a gay man in the LGBTQ community, there are a lot of very harsh marks and tags that you have to wear mm -hmm. in order to kind of like, quote unquote, fit. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that, right? Like, especially if you're, if you're a gay man, you have to be built and you have to have a lot of sexual partners and you have to be mm -hmm. a certain way and if you're not the super hyper masculine and muscle gay you're the twink gay right, right. you have to be thin you have to be skinny you have right. to be curvy um so it's a very either or scenario and it can be that way and i feel like the way i have navigated my queerness has also shifted the way I view my body right like a lot of my queerness has developed through my sense of style that we were like talking about earlier right like we both have different senses of style but still like kind of the same um and if you had met me in like high school or college you'd have been like who the hell is that girl because I had no sense of style and not only that I was just like zipping on the uniform of like a college straight honestly like white girl because that is who I was surrounded with and I had no like independence in thought independence in like oh I can wear things that fit me but also I like to wear right yeah. like at that point it was just like they weren't making clothes for big girls so I just put on whatever zipped and yeah. hoped for the best and yeah. I think we're still seeing some of that right sure. like there's huge amount of fat phobia in the clothing industry um it's incredibly unaffordable and there's no representation for big girls and this kind of like plus size movement that's happening is like these actual mid-sized girls or mid-sized women that are coming through and being like oh they're curvy and it's like she's a size 14 like yeah. she looks great i love her but, like, that is not the plus-size representation that we're looking for. Yeah, and because so, it's not the full spectrum, right? No, right. It's not, you know, it doesn't stop at size 14. No. So The average women, woman size or, like, female presenting body is a size 16. There you go. So it's, like, yeah, it's not the full spectrum. Yeah. But it does make you feel like oh there isn't a clothes for me so i'm just gonna wear whatever it fits yeah. or even to take i remember i have worn clothes that don't fit me with the sole purpose of i'm gonna wear it until it fits me mm. meaning i'm gonna have to lose this weight yeah. in order to fit into this clothes that i like that obviously don't fit that obviously makes me feel super uncomfortable because they don't fit me uh, but i still go through the process of torturing myself because i have this mindset of oh i have to fit in in order to be accepted yeah right no i think that i kind of adapt adapted like a completely opposite model yeah. now in the in the clothes that i wear and i think that it's been empowering because people notice and people like yeah compliment your sense of style and it's not like i i mean i'm a leo so ultimately i do leave the house expecting compliments but true um 
mostly I've adapted my wardrobe and my sense of style to feel empowered in my body and my queerness and kind of the intersection of the two. And for people to like validate that and be like, you seem so much happier. I love what you're wearing. And to have it be like this very androgynous, like. Which ultimately is healthy, right? It's yeah. healthy to look at yourself in that way. And I, I think I find it interesting that a lot of when we talk about queerness, there is a big thing attached to it, which is like this visual expression mm -hmm. of queerness mm -hmm. that clothing can be yeah. like this very tool, very big tool that clothing can be to express queerness. Clothing and the sense of style can be such a powerful tool yeah. for the expression of being queer um, that it's it's kind of like a double edged sword because someone that's not as comfortable with every single piece of clothing is going to feel not empowered or less empowered by yeah. to express their own queer identity yeah as opposed to someone that has like you said your mindset of i'm just gonna wear whatever i like because this is gonna help me understand my queer identity even more yeah um i think uh if you're someone who's wanting to like transition your wardrobe into something that feels more like your style i would start with like one outfit Right, like right. fine. I remember like literally the very first outfit I put on and I was like, yes, this is exactly what I feel like. I put on all of these pieces of clothing together and I feel wholly like myself. I feel exactly how I've wanted to feel my whole life. I just didn't know. Yeah. And then it was like, I would put on any other outfit and I'm like, this just doesn't feel okay. But it's like, it's expensive. Yeah. to revamp your entire wardrobe but if for that one outfit you look forward to every week of like oh i can put this on and feel good and feel authentically myself like you've done it yeah i think that it's important to notice though that it's like you said at the beginning it's not a space where you suddenly reach and then you stay there mm -hmm. i think that it's important to notice that there are low times like but i think that sometimes it is a struggle right like there are days that i'm like I just don't like how I look today. I yeah. just don't like me today, which is also a very fair thing to say, right? Because we don't have to be, because it almost, to me, it's, sometimes it's like, well, you have to accept you regardless. Like you have to be a hundred percent every day. Like you have to, you know, uh, be super positive every day. You have yeah. to love you every day and you have to be this every day. And the reality is you're not every day. Yeah. There are days that I do not feel that way. I think that that was my personal uh, issue with body positivity because I don't think by nature it um, says that you should feel that 100% of the time. But I think in my mind it felt like if I wasn't like – self-love queen all day every day if i looked in the mirror and like felt just a little bit of disgust at myself that it was like there goes that body positive queen like she's supposed to be and like really i think body positivity at its core from what i've learned now is more like just being authentically you like existing as a fat person and we were talking about this yesterday actually with um Cass and Zach, some of our coworkers who um, are fat people, and we talked about it yesterday, and we were like, because I like said the word plus size, because I don't know how people feel about fat. Personally, 
I think it's completely fine. I think we need to unlearn the negativity surrounding the word fat. I think it's a marker that is fact and not opinion. And the three of us, we all agreed like, oh yeah, no, we are all self-identifying fat people. Like it's just who we are. I don't see any negative in it anymore. You may feel differently. You, the listener, you, Leo. But um, I think that just wholly existing as a fat person is a radical idea, is a radical thing, and it shouldn't be. But I think that that's like kind of what people in the body positivity movement lean into is like just existing and navigating the world as a fat person is like you being body positive, is you showing like, I am healthy, I'm fine, I'm doing okay. Like I'm happy, not in spite of my fatness, but because of it. Like. I think it's also a good start point to when we talk about all of these topics, we can also talk about fat phobia and how that is present in every single thing that you do when you live as a fat person, right? Like you go to the doctor because your head hurts. Mm -hmm. It's because of your weight. No, it's not. You go to anywhere. You go to a restaurant and they're like, oh, so you want the biggest plate. You want the biggest size. So it's present everywhere because it's very um, ingrained into the fabric of society. Yeah. So uh, I think systemic. it's it, you're right. It's systemic. And I think and I see that, for instance, and I think that as gay people or especially gay men, you see that in apps like Grindr, you mm. adding Grindr. And the, if there are no five profiles that said no fats, no femmes, no this, no that, mm. there isn't any like because it's very present also in the community, right? Which yeah. is kind of, I wouldn't say ironic, but it's an interesting point of you're fighting to include everyone and to be inclusive and to just be yourself, but you're also not including. What's interesting is the kind of like juxtaposition of that, right? Like I'm on the apps and it's usually queer m- women of whatever spectrum, right? Cause it could be like bi women, it could be you know, pansexual, whatever. Um, but pe- people will put in their bio, like, yes, I am fat. And it's like, clearly in their photos, like you can identify that that is a fat person, whether that's what they use or not. Yeah, They are fat by like objection, but yet they're like marking that on themselves. Like, just so you know, before you even approach me, like I am fat, yeah. if you have an issue with that, go away and it's like i think it's a self-defense move oh absolutely i think it, i see it as a self-preservation because we've seen and i mean i don't know if you've experienced it but i have had comments and that are like well you're kind of chubby you're not really that's insane you're not really my type you're kind of you're kind of fat like stuff like that which when you're struggling with the self of self-image you're like, oh, yeah, like, I am. And I'm like, well, I would not last five minutes on Grindr. And I'm like, okay. That app scares me. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm not because it's also this, it just keeps perpetuating this self-torture on you. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I want to stay in a space that just keeps reminding me that I'm not enough when I am? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's not like, okay, one person out of 300 suddenly tell you oh you're not really my type you know which is also fair i mean i'm saying if 
you don't like someone, you don't have to. We could to, do like, a whole episode, and I think we should do a whole episode on dating apps. No, that us. I think it perpetuates uh, this patriarchal norm if we're yeah. going to, like, get to the root of, like, body image issues. Yeah. It's the patriarchy, the sexism. Um, and I think that there is kind of a generational difference when it comes to body image. And we're seeing that kind of play out because, you know, our parents and their parents are kind of looking at it and being like, why is everyone like promoting obesity? And it's like, girl, I'm just fat and going to the grocery store. Like, I'm not promoting obesity. Yeah. I'm just like obese. What do you want me? Should I? Should I not go to the grocery store? And just like never leave my house because yeah. I'm fat. Like, I think that there we have transition, right? Where there's a there's a larger population of people who are obese are above the highly racist uh, BMI. Um, and for that, it's like, oh, well, we're promoting obesity now. We're promoting this yeah. like level of unhealthy appetites and unhealthy lifestyles. And it's like, no, just more fat people exist. Yeah. <laughs> I think also that, I mean, yes, do everything you said, but what I'm, I'm, I was going to say is I think that they are seeing, they mm. are afraid to be uncomfortable. Mm. And I think that that normativity of it, it's what makes them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And they're just afraid. They don't want to be uncomfortable. Uh, they want to avoid those self-conversations of why am I feeling uncomfortable because of this? Is it because deep inside me, I have this problem with self-image. So I think that part of that generational disparity when it comes to it, it's number one, because they did grow up in an entirely different world. Yeah. Like I sometimes listen to what my dad has to say or my mom. And when I fully like listen and analyze what they're saying, I realize they grew up, they develop in an entire different world. Yeah. They cannot comprehend because they don't have the tools to comprehend the modern world because it's incredibly different. Yeah. It's almost like another world for them. So it, and I'm, by this, I'm not saying that they're justified to do whatever they want to do. But what I'm saying is that I can see how it's, for them, it's, I'm so afraid to get uncomfortable by this thing that I don't know. Yeah. Because it's so different because I didn't grow up in the same culture because I am struggling with these images and I have struggled with these uh, situations for my whole life. Um, so it's, it's. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. Well, I think that that same concept that you were seeing reflected in a lot of spaces, right? This whole, like, attack on drag queens and pronouns and, like, I'm not going to get fully into it because that's not what we're talking about. But, like, it is a, it's a generational difference. There's yeah. just that was not something that people talked about or fought for or – I mean, they, they did fight for it. I'm not yeah. saying they didn't. But, like, it was not as – prevalent then as it is now yeah. and there was not this push to be uncomfortable and to think differently and allow people to live authentically and to have uncomfortable conversations right. because that's the thing though it, you need to learn how to have uncomfortable conversations and you need to learn how to confront things that you don't agree with because they 
I find it interesting that it kind of makes it, they kind of make it seem like, oh, this is all so new. This is all so new generation in this new world. And I'm like, fat people have existed for as long as humanity have mm -hmm. existed. So new, it's not new. No. Gay people have existed since the dawn of humanity. That is not new. Trans people have existed since Jesus was a baby mm -hmm. in the words of Jean. That is not new. So it's not new. But like to your point, it is more immediate, right? Yeah. Because of the immediateness of the internet, of the social media, of the representation of these their representation of these is people. Way more vast than it was. You see it. And it's still not great. You see it more immediate because of that. Yeah. But that doesn't ha that doesn't mean that it's new. It's just just seeing it more often, yeah. which is a good thing. Yeah. I think too, it's like it's it's helpful to approach the that conversation with like how are both you and I approaching this? Like, are we both open minded? Am I approaching this with like an intent on changing your mind? Yeah. Are you approaching this with an intent on not having your mind change? And at that point, it's like we're not really going to accomplish anything. But yeah. if you're like, I just don't understand it. Can you give me the words and the concepts and definitions? Great. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. And if your mind is still not changed, that's okay. Because at least I know that you came into it wanting to learn and you just disagree. And that's fine. We can still coexist. Yeah. But we have some facts today, don't we? Do you want to pull your facts first um i just had i just had a um an article from the cleveland clinic and it was kind of more informative uh and it just talks about more if you're interested in kind of the um facts and juxtaposition of body positivity versus body neutrality um i think they're pretty similar but they're just slightly different in the way that they frame is there any like specific wording when it comes to the difference between body positivity and body neutrality that folks out there who are listening can identify? Um, like, are there very marked differences in them? Um, okay, so this part talks about um, kind of how the body positivity movement got started. And essentially, it was born um from this era in the like late 1990s and early 2000s about um cyberbullying and body shaming and how this like body positivity moment was created and this movement was created from uh fat creators and influencers kind of living their lives authentically as we talked about and just wanting to like put out being wholly authentically themselves and just living and existing in their body um but some people have criticized the body positivity movement in general, saying that it um, often leaves people of color, people living with disabilities, and the LGBTQIA plus community out of the conversation. Um, when, in fact, these groups were part of the original people to start the body positivity movement. So leaving them out of the conversation is kind of like, what we've seen on many yeah. other movements right um but then which i think and I, i'm sorry to interrupt but yeah, i think good. that it's an interesting point to notice is i mean you and i we're we're not disabled we we're able-bodied we're able-bodied yeah. right but i think it's interesting how do you look at body positivity when your body works different mm -hmm. than what quote unquote you would say it's the average or yeah. the normal yeah um 
now we cannot really speak on that because as we said we're able body but yeah i just think it's interesting and it's to their point it's like how can you preach body positivity when you're not including people that whose bodies work in different ways yeah um so i just think it's a good thing to notice mm -hmm. and i so. think it's like when it goes back to kind of uh excluding people of color um lgbtqia like are you including trans bodies are you yeah. including um fat black women are you including fat black men right like who who are we excluding and i think it's kind of that thing of when i'm talking about like fat phobia in like clothing representation and like models like you often see white women in like size 16 bodies with They're like typically young. alabaster skin and yeah. it's like that's i don't i still don't see myself in them right like there's not there's still a lack of representation it has made strides a lot of companies have made strides but we're still very far from where we need to be yeah another thing that i wanted to kind of bring up was these um this this idea of age that is attached to the body mm -hmm. and how a young body can sometimes have more value in a society like this than someone whose body is old yeah and how that is very present right like how many times i've said oh that she's old or they're he's old they don't really have a grasp when they do but their body obviously works also different because age has a, a, something to do with it yeah. and that's okay too yeah right and you shouldn't dress less comfortably or less authentically just because you have more age what about you what about your facts today i bring to you this article well it's actually a uh, research paper it's not an article and it was uh posted on the journal of adolescent health and it's a 2019 edition and uh, the name of it it's um I'm not gonna find it, but it's appearance ideals and eating disorder risk among LGBTQ um, individuals, and it's a qual uh, quantitative study. So they do a bunch of math and surveys mm -hmm. to kind of collect data. But the result, and I quote, says the majority of survey participants, eighty eighty point four percent, reported experienced at least one form of discrimination in the past year. It's quote, not discrimination in terms of like body phobia. yeah okay. like fat phobia eating disorder behavior mm. which goes back to that's why representation matters yeah. because of course you're not gonna think that if you look different that when you're seeing out there and the things that you're using every day you're gonna think that you're bad because you don't look like that yeah um i'm sure every fat person could tell you the first time they saw a fat person on screen really because i know when i was younger I really loved That's a Raven because she was like the biggest. Raven Simone was like the biggest. And I say that in like laughable terms because she's like midsize at best. But she was like the most plus size person that was on Disney Channel at this point. And she had like incredible style and she just was like honestly doing drag. And like, period. I just remember being like, this feels awesome that she's on here and she's like being authentically herself and she was a black woman as well so we go back to like 
who started the movement like who started that representation yet again who started who started it and it probably was black queer women um another thing that says here and this is kind of like a quote from one of the participants um which i find very interesting in the comment from the participant says there's this expectation that bisexual women want everyone or you want to have threesomes but no matter what their expectation of me is i'm somehow not fitting in it because i'm not thin enough or curvy enough or trying to look sexy enough Hmm. which i think is a very familiar feeling for a lot of people out there and i think that and i was telling you this the other way the other day uh, i think that for women is particularly hard because of this patriarchal and misogynistic society in which women have to be desirable for everyone right uh and that they have to look a certain way in order to be accepted which it's number like it's impossible to do right so um i think we did it i think we we tackled the topics i think we yeah i think we i mean again and us i mean there's like a so much we could yeah we could spend three hours talking about why loafers are fat phobic or something like that i don't know like something they are girl i ordered two pairs and one of them they don't fit they don't fit go on my toes Mm -hmm. see but um disgusting as i as we often say this is of course our experience and how we have felt throughout the time and with the topic but um continue to uh continue the conversation continue comments conversation. let us know what your experience with body image and body neutrality body positivity fat phobia all of those things has been all of those things very curious um so what's your truth today so let's just let's just take a deep breath i feel like that was intense my truth today is that this is currently the only therapy that i'm getting <laughs> because <laughs> Late last year, my therapist notified me that she was going to be stepping away from the profession and she was no longer oh. seeing clients. And so she said, I don't get paid enough, huh? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I was paying her. Um, anyway, I loved my therapist. I got very, very privileged to uh, find a perfect therapist for me on the first try. A lot of folks do not have that experience, but I started therapy in 2021. uh, And she instantly became like exactly what I needed in therapy. Um, So yeah, so she quit seeing patients and she was like oh i can refer you to a handful of folks because i specifically sought out a queer therapist and she knew that and she knew also that um i was looking to navigate potentially a bipoc therapist and she was like i have some resources for you and i have just not looked because i have not accepted that i have to replace her and I know that I need to go back to therapy because I love therapy. And it was actually really, really beneficial for me. Um, but I'm just scared. I'm not going to find one that's as good as her. So that's my truth. And this is why BetterHelp is sponsoring <laughs> this episode. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. They're not sponsoring this episode. <laughs> that would have been a great 
Oh, would have been a great ad placement. An incredible ad placement. Mm-hmm. What's your truth? My truth is that I am going on a date tonight, mm. and I am uh, not nervous, but I am definitely outside my comfort comfort zone. Um, now, everyone here at the office was like, "Well, what's his name?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna disclose that because I'm very much private." Uh, but the thing is that I think it's because. I am uncomfortable dating, not because of who I'm going to date, like not because of the person, but because for the longest time, I never really allowed myself to experience a part of me. Um, I think I've always been very much, this is what I need to be doing. This is my priority right now. And anything else don't have space in it right now, because this is my priority. Mm. This is what I need to be doing. And I think that, in this year, I've trying allow trying to allow myself to still have a priority and still have a clear goal of this is where I'm walking towards, but also allowing for things like dating to happen or hang out with my friends or stuff like that. So that's mm-hmm. my truth today. I'm going on a date outside of my comfort zone. Um, I actually, for you. I know, I actually picked this outfit thinking, oh, I'm going to go on a date after work. You so. did. Um, anyway. Anyway, that's our truth. That's our story. And that's our story for it. today. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. If yeah. you, this was longer than our first episode, huh? This it's is almost, okay. Almost an hour. Well, but it's okay to me. And hopefully it's okay with them as well. I think so. I don't think it feels heavy. That's the thing, though. Whenever we talk, we could talk for hours um and we do and we it never feels like it Mm -mm. it always feels like it's just 20 minutes of casual convo but um let us know what you think we want to hear from you yeah um and thank you so much for listening to this episode check out our social media what's our social media stonewall columbus (laughs) stonewall columbus everywhere where social media is find um this has been beyond the rainbow Bye.